please welcome Dr. Jacob Koshy as he comes to share the Word of God. Good morning. Please be seated. <laughs> Lovely to see you all in church this morning. It's a beautiful morning in Alice Springs. Beautiful one day, more wonderful the next. That's what they say, eh? About Queensland, but we'll take that for Alice as well. I just sense in my spirit that there are people here who the Lord has a specific word for you today and that you are here. Maybe you didn't feel like you should come to church this morning, but there has been a prompting and a move in your heart that has said, no, I really do need to be there this morning. And maybe it's taken an effort for you to come. But you know what? I believe that the Lord has brought you here. And I believe that, you know, some of you who are watching online as well, maybe you have tuned in at the last minute or whatever it is that you've tuned into now, whatever that has prompted you to tune in. I believe that is the Lord, and I pray that as we keep our hearts open, that the Lord will speak to us. Shall we just seek Him in prayer before we start looking at the Word? Father in heaven, it is a joy to be in Your presence. I would rather be here than be anywhere else in the world right now, Father, in a place where I can lift my voice to You in worship, adoration, and praise to my almighty Father who is a good, good God, who loves me with a love that is everlasting, who has the best plans and purposes for my life, who has no plans that will destroy me or no plans that will cause hurt to me, but has plans to prosper me and make me everything you want me to be. So, Father, I am just in awe of you this morning, and I pray as we look into your word that you will speak to us Minister to our hearts, and Father, let us leave with a sense that we have heard what you want us to hear from you today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. Battlefronts, that's been the uh, title of our series that we've been going through. And I don't know how many of you believe or uh, understand how real this battle is. <laughs> Do you believe that this is a battle? <laughs> It is a battle of epic proportions, and it is a battle that the Word of God tells us repeatedly is something as believers we will continue to face over and over again in our lives. The way that battle is in our lives is different. Everyone faces different kinds of battles. Some of us, we, over the past few weeks, we've heard people talk about the battles with fear, battles with self-confidence, battles with temptation. There are so many things that, that we are dealing with. And I urge you, if you haven't heard some of those messages, to go back to our podcast, to our, to our, to the, even to the YouTube uh, links, and, and just listen to those messages. Or even through the website, you have links to listen to those messages. There are gems in those messages that I really encourage you to go back and, and listen to. You know, in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8 to 11, and I'm reading from the Passion Translation, it says... Be well-balanced and always alert, because your enemy, the devil, roams around incessantly like a roaring lion looking for its prey to devour. Take a decisive stand against him and resist his every attack with strong, vigorous faith. For you know that your believing brothers and sisters around the world are experiencing the same kinds of troubles you endure. And then, 
After your brief suffering, the God of all loving grace, who has called you to share in his eternal glory in Christ, will personally and powerfully restore you and make you stronger than ever. Yes, he will, and he will set you firmly in place and build you up, and he has all the power needed to do this forever. Amen. The battle is real. And the enemy we face is, is an enemy who is wily and cunning, shrewd, and who knows every, every rule in the book that he needs to know to how to, as to how to trip you up. His intention from the beginning of creation was that he would interfere in God's plan for salvation. And he has worked his ways throughout the Bible as you read from Genesis right up to the end of the Bible. You will read of ways he has attempted to thwart God's plan for salvation. And he specifically continues to target you and I as believers. Incessantly. That's the word it uses to describe the way the, uh, how the devil is roaming around. He roams around incessantly. That means... If you don't know it, the devil never takes a holiday. He never lets up. And he will use whatever means he has at his disposal to harass, to hinder, to hobble. In any way, he can trip you up to prevent you becoming effective and continue to being the person you are chosen and, and meant to be for the kingdom. He will do whatever he can to stop you. And we need to be wise. We need to be understanding. And that's the reason why this series is so incredibly crucial, that we understand how he works and understand that those uh, things that come against us are meant to try and stop us and meant to try and prevent us becoming the effective tools God wants us to be in his hands. Amen? So, I have struggled through many times in my life. And my struggles have been in, in various ways that, that, that the devil has tried to trip me up, whether it be through my sense of uh, self-worth, whether it be through my sense or through temptations, through fear. Many of the things we have talked about already, he has done that. He has used every means to try and get at me. I was under a lot of pressure when I was, when I was young, my, as as uh, the, the, the rule in every Indian household is that parents will push their kids as hard as they can to achieve as much as they can academically. And so uh, my parents were no exceptions. They pushed us hard. And having parents who were teachers uh, made it even more difficult. So constant, constant <laughs> uh, pressure to, to perform and to do well. Having an elder brother who was borderline genius didn't help at all, believe me. <laughs> but... Then my younger brother came along, <laughs> and he made me look good. <laughs> and I hope he will listen to this message. <laughs> no, that's not true. He's an amazing man of God. He's an amazing man of God who has really accomplished a lot of things in his life, and I, I'm so proud of, proud of him. But, you know, just the, the pressures of growing up and having so much pressure and so much... Uh, uh, expectation put upon you can be quite hard uh, when you're young. And um, self-confidence, I always struggled with my self-confidence, and uh, I learned an important lesson. About five years ago, I went to a leadership course which the, the government of the Northern Territory and South Australia had organized for health professionals at a certain level. 
And so we sat together in this room and began uh, preparing this. It was a six-week course, and, and they wanted us to write out what our greatest fears were. And, and these are some of the top health professionals in, the, in South, South Australia, in South Australian Health, SA Health. Some of the top people in administrative positions and, and directors of nursing and all kinds of, of really high, high, highly positioned people. And what was amazing was that the greatest fear a lot of them felt was that, that they wrote. And it was anonymously, they just read it out anonymously, so you didn't know who wrote it. But a lot of them wrote, I don't feel I deserve to be here. I don't feel like I, I feel like an imposter yeah, being in the midst of, of people uh, of such high caliber. And I thought, you know what? That is so true. Everyone struggles. Everyone struggles. We may think that someone, you look at someone and they look so confident and have everything, but you don't know the struggles in their, in their lives and in their minds and what they're going through. Everyone struggles and it's just how we deal with it that makes the difference. And so that is why it is so important that we continue to understand what God's purpose and plan is for our lives. You know, whenever I have gone through those periods of fear, discouragement, and temptation, and different kinds of things that, that the devil has thrown at me, one thing that I have always gone back to is the Word of God, the unchanging, incredible Word of God. I'm holding it in an iPad, but... We have it in, as book, in, in book form, but, and for many years I used books, but now I've been converted, and I love my iPad. I love the Bible on my iPad, and, and the, 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 the convenience of it is just incredible. But the Word of God, believe me, I go back to it over and over again. And, you know, there is one particular person in the Bible that I go back to constantly when I am discouraged, when I am fighting a battle, and that is David. Because I feel he is one man I identify it with, I, I identify with completely. He's a man I identify with because he went through struggles, temptations, fear, discouragement. You name it, he went through it. And it's just beautiful to watch how he deals with those times that he, that he goes through those struggles. And, and so I, I just love going back and reading the Psalms, reading what he went through and his stories. And that's what gives me so much encouragement and inspiration. I want to go to one particular incident because it deals with a, a period in David's life where he, he, he struggled with significant discouragement. And that's one of the things I feel that a lot of us will deal with, discouragement. It is, it is, a, it is a, a fact that there will be times when people will let us down. It is a fact that there will be times when things are thrown at us that are totally unexpected. And those times can throw us and so derail the way we feel that it can become such a trap that it prevents us from going on and doing the things we wanted to do. I'm reading, so before I read the passage, I just, I'll just give you a little background. So David is in this weird state of, uh, or this weird uh, phase of his life. He has uh, been running away from Saul, uh, constantly harassed and hunted by Saul. He finally decides that the only way he can be safe is if he runs into the land of the Philistines. So he's moved away from Israel. He's gone and he's now living in, in the land of the Philistines. And in fact, he has now formed an alliance with King Achish, uh, and, uh, the king of the Philistines. And he's actually living in a place called Ziklag. And 
while he's living there, he's also on the sly, he's actually going and, uh, and defeating these different tribes and, and, and he's uh, plundering and, and, and managing to provide for himself and his band of merry followers or his merry band of followers, who they were because they were a merry band of followers. They were about 600 men, a motley crew of, of men who, and, and, their, and their wives and children, men who did not fit into society, who were outcasts, who who basically had lots of issues. And these were the kind of men who banded around David. But he provided them with a common purpose. He led them and inspired them to become a band of men who would work together. So in, the, in, that, in that setting, David has, uh, the, the Philistines, Philistines were going to fight against Israel. So they have gone up to fight, and, and they wanted David to come along with them. The king was keen that David come along with them to fight against the Israelites. And David said, okay, I'll come along with you. I'll fight the Israelites. But the other leaders and commanders of the Philistine army said, are you crazy, King Achish? How can you take David with, uh, with us to fight against the Israelites? What if he turns against us? He is surely not going to fight against his own people. He could turn against us in the heat of battle. So they refused, absolutely refused to allow him to come along, and they sent him back. They said, go back, David, we don't want you to fight with us. And King Achish reluctantly said, David, you need to go. So their things have been okay. They have enough food. They have enough uh, stuff that they have plundered from their, from their battles, and they're, they're, they're living a reasonably comfortable life, not being hunted by Saul and his followers reasonably comfortable life. So he and his men decide, okay, whew, that's one bullet dodged. We don't have to fight the Israelites. And I don't know what they would have done, would have done honestly, if he had gone and fought. I honestly am not too sure what he would have done in that battle. But anyway, the Lord provided a way out for him. And so he goes back to Ziklag with his followers. As they are approaching the camp, they can see smoke in the distance. Something is not quite right. Something has happened. And it is, all, there's a sense of unease that comes upon them. And as they reach the camp, they just find total devastation. The, the camp has been plundered. Everything burnt to the ground. And nothing is left. Their children, their wives, their, their property, their cow, cows, their, their livestock, everything has been completely taken. So the Amalekites have come and they have just raided them and completely plundered their own camp. So that is, that is, the, um, that is the background to this. So let me just read uh, So from 1 Samuel. It says, David and his men reached Ziklag on the third day. Now the Amalekites had raided the Negev and Ziklag. They had attacked Ziklag and burnt it and taken captive the women and everyone else in it both young and old. They killed none of them, but carried them off as they went on their way. When David and his men reached Ziklag, they found it destroyed by fire and their wives and sons and daughters taken captive. So David and his men wept aloud until they had no strength left to weep. This was a disaster that was not foreseen. It was something that had come upon them completely unexpectedly. How often in life have things come to you unexpectedly? Just when you are enjoying some degree of success and, and, and some degree of peace and, and things seem to be going well in life, and suddenly something comes into your life that completely 
just, just derails the way you've been thinking and derails everything about your life and everything is turned upside down in, in an instant, in a way. We can have challenges thrown at us that we are not prepared for. You know, three years ago, um, Minnie, my wife, is here. She uh, started experiencing headaches, and uh, we couldn't figure out why. And so we went to, we checked her blood pressure, which is the first thing you do when you're having headaches, which is something you should do. <laughs> headaches that are not responding to anything, just check your blood pressure. And we found that the blood pressure was extremely high. Couldn't figure it out. The year before, she had had a general checkup. Everything was perfectly normal. So why is the blood pressure suddenly so high? And repeated readings were just really high, completely out of the ordinary. And so went and had a checkup and started doing some blood tests. And in the blood tests, we discovered that there was a significant uh, issue with her uh, kidney function. It had uh, just changed completely. And it was uh, sort of going down to uh, states where it was getting dangerously low in, with certain things that uh, the things that we had in the in the in the tests, and so her function was obviously deteriorating quite rapidly. We couldn't figure out why, and so we then began the process of of you know tests and what do you have to do examinations, and we went we had to go to Adelaide and had a biopsy done of the kidney, and and that showed that she had a specific condition which was causing a lot of inflammation. And as a result of the inflammation, it was causing a block of the little tubules that help with filtration in the kidneys. And so as a result of that, it was beginning to affect the, the function of her kidneys. It was unexpected. It threw us a little bit. And, uh, and we weren't sure what to do. So we sought advice. And they said, look, there are certain things you can do, but really there is no specific treatment for this. And just hope and pray. So that's what we did. We hoped and we prayed and asked God for a miracle, asked him to move. Because we said, look, this is something that is not in our hands. We cannot uh, say this is what we're going to do. This is the treatment that we're going to specifically do. This, But we'll, we'll do what we have to do, but we have to pray. So often I found that when we um, are faced with an issue, your first response is, uh, you know, seek advice, do this, do that, and as a last resort, when everything else fails, <laughs> turn to God. But I think that it is really important that we try to turn that around, where as soon as you, you are faced with something that is unexpected and something you, you are not uh, prepared for, why don't we just turn to God first and ask for his help and his favor and his move and his hand to work? It was, um, it was something that, that was not expected, of course. I'll come back to that later. But, you know, the, the response of David and the men, when they begin to cry and pour out their hearts at the sudden tragedy, in a sense, that has, that has come upon them, you know, you wonder, what... What was that response? Was that, was that a good response or was that a bad response? You know, just to cry till you have no more strength left in your body. I think that's a, that's a good response. And it's a response that we are encouraged to have sometimes. Where the sorrow and the grief of what you're going through is so immense that you don't have words to express it. And you just cry in the presence of God. Allow your tears to fall and allow yourself to break 
in the presence of God. You know, we had a, fan, a beautiful, powerful word that, that Pastor Ben shared with us a few weeks ago. And it was, the, the title of that message was, How Do We Regain Our Peace in Troubled Times? And he specifically talked about a prayer called the Prayer of Lament. I found that to be one of the most powerful messages I've heard in a long time. It is learning to pray the prayer of lament, where we don't live in denial of the pain of what we are going through, but we need to face the reality and the magnitude of what we are, about, what we are facing. Jesus, King David, they were perfect examples of how to pray the prayer of lament. In his last hours, the prayer of Jesus it is more than just a venting of your sorrow. I'm just reading little bits that are from the notes I took from Pastor Ben's message, but lament has its purpose of building our faith, to take us on a pathway to release restoration. It is a way to pour out our sorrow and our frustration. You know, it is normal for humans to cry, but when we as Christians grieve, we grieve out of hope. Isn't that incredible? We grieve out of hope, not out of hopelessness, but we grieve out of hope. Acknowledge our suffering, but know we will be victorious. Amen? You know, the word that, that, that David uses in the Psalms, you know, which Jesus, in fact, uh, cries out as well in, his, in, in, in the garden when he says, my God, my God. Why have you forsaken me on the cross, sorry? Why, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me, so far from my cries of anguish? David says, oh God, why have you rejected us forever? Why does your anger smolder against the sheep of your pasture? Being able to express our anguish to God. He's a big God. He has broad shoulders. He can take it. He can take it. Amen. In the next verse of, of uh, 1 Samuel, in verse 6, it goes on to say that David was greatly distressed because the men were talking of stoning him. Each one was bitter in spirit because of his sons and daughters. These are men he has invested his life in. These are men who, I, like I said, he had provided a purpose for their lives. He has provided for their needs. He has looked after them and their families. He has invested his life into these guys. And now when things have gone wrong, these very people have turned against him and are in fact talking about stoning him. Sometimes loved people in our lives can hurt us. Sometimes the people you do not expect to turn against you can turn against you. Sometimes you are involved in doing something for someone and you think you are doing the best for them. And yet they turn around and, and lodge a complaint against you. And that can be hurtful. That can be difficult to, to bear because someone else, yeah, it's okay. I don't mind when other people do that. But when people I'm close to, people I've invested in, people I have sacrificed for, when, when they do that, that can be really hard to bear. And that can cause significant discouragement. And, and, and David, I, can, I can't imagine, in the midst of his pain, having lost his two wives, in the midst of having lost his possessions, 
in the midst of everything else that he is going through, he is right now dealing with this almost a sense of betrayal that those I loved are turning against me too. I can imagine the depth of his despair at that moment. But what is beautiful is the next part of that verse where it says, but David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. In the NIV it says, but David found strength in the Lord his God. Amen? Wow. <laughs> Sorry. I just need to have a drink now. When the world around us comes crumbling down, where do we turn for encouragement? There may be times like that where you can't even turn to your loved ones. You can't turn to those around you because of the depth of despair of what you're going through. But he, he encouraged himself in the Lord. A time must come when in the midst of our mourning and our despair and our discouragement, we turn our eyes off of the discouragement and the problem we're going through, and we turn our eyes onto our Lord and ask him to begin to give us the encouragement and the strength we need to get through what we're going through. How was he able to find strength and encouragement in the most difficult of times? You know, I just want to go through a few things that I believe David did to encourage and strengthen himself in the Lord. I think the first thing he would have done is he would have remembered God's faithfulness in the past. When he stopped feeling sorry for himself, he would have remembered, you know, when I went to fight Goliath, when I was standing there facing this massive giant hulk of a man and everyone else was scared, and I was standing there about to face him. What he said to the Lord then was really, really significant. He said, your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. He remembered there were times when as a shepherd boy, he was looking after his flock and the lion and the bear came to attack his flock. And in the power of the Lord, he stood up against them and he fought and he prevailed. And he remembered those battles of old with those things. And he said, if my God stood with me in those battles, he is going to stand with me in this battle against Goliath. And now as he is faced with this incredible moment of despair, I can imagine him thinking, God, God of my fathers, you are the one who stood with me with the lion and the bear. You are the one who stood with me against Goliath. Surely you are going to give me the strength I need to bear what I am going through right now. He remembered God's faithfulness in the past. So often we are so caught up in the despair of what we are going through, we forget that there were times in the past when the Lord was faithful. The Lord did take us through some incredibly difficult times in our past, but it's so easy to forget that when it's all done. But we need to remember, we need to remember, we need to think about those times in the past when the God took us through and say, yes, Lord, you were faithful then, you are faithful now, you will be faithful in the future. Amen? That is our God. That is our God. Believe that he will stay faithful to you. 
think about God's faithfulness in your families. You know, I think about uh, my, my grandmother. My grandma was an incredible woman. But, but unfortunately, I, I only discovered how incredible she was many years after she had passed away when in stories that I heard from people. She got married around the age of 18. She got married to a, a priest in the Orthodox, Syrian Orthodox Church. He was a teacher, then got a posting as a headmaster to go to a, a, a place very far from home. And so she went along with him. She had two children, an elder daughter and a younger son who was my dad. They went to this place far away from home. He was the headmaster of a school there. They lived there for a few years, and then a typhoid epidemic struck that town. In the span of one year, she lost her elder daughter and then lost her husband. As a young widow with just my father, she comes back home absolutely shattered with no future. As a, as a widow in those days, uh, what would you do? And, and uh, didn't have an education. She had just, I think, done year 10 or something and hadn't done anything beyond that. What would you do? Easy to give way to despair and discouragement in that moment. My grandma was an amazing woman. She trained herself to be a doctor's assistant. She got a job with a GP who was a family, uh, a distant relative of the family, and began to work. Saved up money and sent her only son, who was then my dad, to university. With whatever money she scrounged and saved and was able to put together, she sent him to university. And then he, uh, and then he went on to do all that he did. And, and just incredible because he also went through significant, significant challenges as a, as a young boy, the son of a, of a widow, with significant health challenges. Despite all of that, went on to study, do well, became a professor of biology, and, and, and then looked after us and took care of us. So, I mean, I look back at stories like that of, of my forefathers and people, the, the challenges they went through and what they endured and how they stayed strong because of the faithfulness of God. So the first thing I say is remember, think about God's faithfulness in the past. The next thing is begin to focus on who God is and begin to praise and worship him. What a worshiper David was. And he began to focus on his God. Who is our God? Our God is almighty. Our God is omniscient. Our God is omnipotent, all-powerful, all-knowing. He is Jehovah Shalom, God of peace. He is Jehovah Jireh, my provider. He is Jehovah Rapha, my healer. Jehovah Shammah, God who is faithful in keeping his promises. That is who my God is. And so begin, he begins to worship God. You know, in Psalm 34, in the midst of all the trouble that he's going through, he says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will continually be in my mouth. When he's running away from Saul and he's hiding in a cave, you know what his, his song, he says, my heart is steadfast, O God, my heart is steadfast. I will sing and make melody to my Lord. That is, what my, that is why I love David. He could, he could continue to remain strong and faithful because he knew who his God was and he had determined, whatever I go through, I will continue to worship, I will continue to honor, I will continue to praise the name of my God. Hallelujah. Yeah. Can you imagine what greater joy 
you can give to God, our Heavenly Father? What greater joy if in the midst of your pain and suffering, you are able to say, God, in the midst of all I'm going through, I will continue to worship you. I will continue to lift your name up high. What greater joy can we bring to our God if we do that? Last night, I was listening to a testimony of a young girl, 24-year-old, who has a significant issue with, 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 a, with a growth in her spinal cord that, that, for all practical purposes, she shouldn't be even alive. But she, and she is not even paralyzed yet. But in the midst of that immense struggle of pain and suffering that she is going through, she is still worshiping God. She is sharing her testimony with people of how the Lord has kept her despite these incredible health challenges. And she says one of the things she's unable to do now is clap her hands because of some weakness that she has in her hands and the pain that she has constantly. She's unable to clap her hands or lift her hands. And she says, when I come to worship in the house of God and I look around and I see people standing in the presence of God, not bothering to clap, not willing to lift their hands, and I say, oh God, if only I could clap my hands to you, if only I could lift my hands to you in adoration and praise for who you are, how blessed I would be. And I imagine people standing around and thinking, how can you be so callous and unknowing of what a majestic, incredible God we serve? How can you not clap your hands, lift your voices in adoration and praise to our incredible God? Worship God. Begin to worship Him. Third thing I say is talk to yourself and put your hope in God. Maybe you do this when you're alone. Maybe not when you're walking around in the streets. <laughs> but talk to yourself. David says in Psalm 42, 5, 43, 5, he says, Why, my soul, why are you downcast? Why are you so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior, my God. Why are you cast down, my soul? Why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my help and my God. Speak to yourself. Encourage yourself. Tell yourself. Pick yourself up. Don't stay where you are. Don't you know who God is? Hasn't he been your help and, and, and your, 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 your strength in ages past? Begin to stand up. Get up. Don't be, don't be discouraged, but let the Lord lead you. Begin to speak to yourself. Tell yourself these things. Give yourself a kick in the backside if you can reach. <laughs> it wasn't just David. Even Jesus went through periods where he went through times of, of pain and sorrow and discouragement, I'm sure. When he was faced with all these, these uh, uh, Pharisees constantly harassing him, constantly trying to trip him over, people saying all kinds of things against him. But there is an, uh, there is an incident where I, I think it's worth us just looking at. In Matthew 14, 13 to 15, Jesus has just heard the news that John the Baptist, his cousin, has been beheaded. I believe he, he was close to John. He talks a lot. He talks about John. He says, you know, what an incredible man, blessed, uh, a blessed man, and, and, and a man who was so highly favored. And, and his cousin, who I imagine, as, as a Jewish family, they would have had visits when they, were, when they were much younger, and they would have grown together. They would have, they would have played together, and I imagine there was a bond between them. 
And then he hears the news that his, his cousin has been beheaded. In Matthew 14, the way it describes it, it says, when Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Do you think that it was painful for Jesus hearing that news? I imagine it was. And we, 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 we do read that Jesus weeps when he heard the news about Lazarus. And even now I imagine that he, it would have cost him sorrow. Not that he was unable to do anything about it. He could have. He's the one who put the ear back on the, on, on the, on the servant whose, whose ear was cut off by Peter. He's the one who, who raised Lazarus from the dead. He's the one who raised the, the son of the widow. Surely if he had wanted, he would have put the head of John back on his body and raised him up again. But that was not the purpose at that point. There was a purpose for that. And he grieves. He grieves. He goes away. Takes the time. Takes the time to grieve. And I want you to understand, Jesus himself took time out like that. But what is encouraging is he doesn't remain there. The next verse says, when the hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. And when Jesus landed and saw a large, large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. Yeah. Had compassion on them and healed their sick. So there is a time when we will go away in our sorrow. There is a time when we will break in the presence of God, when we will cry and we will tell the Lord, Lord, why? There is a time when we will express our anguish and our sorrow to God. Your tears will cry. Your tears will fall. But despite that, there comes a point where you will get up off your knees. There is a point where you will get up on your feet again. There's a point where you will wipe your tears and you will say, there is a greater purpose and a plan for me. I am not going to be stuck in this point of sorrow. I'm not going to be stuck in this point of anguish because the Lord has a plan for my life and I'm going to accomplish that plan. So I will stand up out of my closet. I will move out of my place of, of crying and anguish and sorrow and I will look around me and I will see that there is a need and I will step into that need and I will fulfill the need that has to be fulfilled. Amen? Amen. Amen. Minnie determined that she was not going to let this disease define her. She was not going to own the disease, and she was not going to allow it to own her either. But she determined that she would serve the Lord despite what she was going through. So, sure, there was discomfort. Sure, there was uh, incessant fatigue and tiredness. And there were times when she would come back from work, and I'd see her car parked in the driveway, and I'd go into the house, open the door, and the door's still locked. I'm wondering what happened. And I come, open the door, and I look, and she's still sitting in the car asleep. <laughs> yeah, there were times of incredible tiredness and fatigue. There were times of, of discomfort, sure. But she determined that she is going to serve the Lord and his people with even greater measure. With even greater measure. You know? Over the years, over the past three years, we've been on that journey. 
last week, we went for our last blood tests. And that blood test was truly uh, a testament to the power of our God. Her renal function is completely normal. <laughs> completely normal. Shall we stand to our feet? I've been through pain. I've been through significant. I've seen a lot of suffering. My own father, who I spoke about, he died at the age of 54. I will be 54 next year. He died at the age of 54 from cancer. I nursed him in his final hours. In fact, for the final month of his life, I nursed him. We didn't have very good palliative care services. We didn't have good pain relief. But whatever we had, we, we did. And we looked after him. We cared for him. We loved him as best we could. And we said our farewell to him. And he, but he died a man with hope. He died in pain in suffering, but with hope. Hope. And I have, an, I have no, no doubt that because of that disease and what he went through, it brought him to a relationship with God. And because of that, I know that when I will go to heaven, I will be with him again. I have no doubt about that. And that gives me so much comfort and peace. It wasn't, hard, it wasn't easy to see a loved one in pain. It wasn't easy to say goodbye like that. But I, I thank God that in the midst of pain and suffering, in the midst of discouragement, we have a God we can stand on. And I encourage you, whatever circumstance of pain you are going through, remember these things. Encourage yourself in the Lord. Remember the faithfulness of God in times past. Begin to worship, think of who he is and acknowledge who he is and his power. Walk with him, walk with him, walk with him, walk with him. Break when you need to break. But the Lord will give you strength to walk out of your closet and walk into a greater area of ministry where you will be more effective than you've ever been. With your eyes closed. Every eye closed across this place. Heavenly Father, we acknowledge that you are an incredible God, a God of love, a God of mercy and kindness. You know, to those of you who are under the sound of my voice this morning, I want to speak to two groups of people today. There are some people who probably have never made a decision for Jesus until now. And maybe there are people here who have walked with Jesus for many years and things changed, things happened and you moved away from God and you just drifted away, drifted apart from your relationship with the Savior. It's time to come home. It's time to come home. It's time 
to come back to that place of safety and refuge, a place of peace, a place where the Lord is able to hold you in his embrace and love you and sing over you with songs of gladness is what the Bible says, where he's able to walk with you into a relationship that is fulfilling, a relationship that is full of peace, a relationship that you will not ever have to do on your own. So if there's anyone under the sound of my voice who is in that category of people, if you have never made a decision for the Lord, you know, and or you have walked away from Him, Jesus is standing with His arms open wide and He says, come back. Come back to me. I am a Savior who loves you. I gave my life for you. And I am willing and I, 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 I want to be in a relationship with you. Today is that day. You can make a decision that even though for all these months and years I have walked in a particular direction, today is the day when I say enough is enough. I am going to turn back. I am going to change the course of my life. I am going to make a decision that is going to change the way I live and that is uh, uh, change the way I, I interact with people, change the way I am going to live the rest of my life. Today is the day you can make that decision. If you would like to know more about this decision, just make that decision. Say, God, yes, my heart is open to you. I do, I do want to make that decision. If there's anyone here today who wants to make that decision, I'm looking across this auditorium and I'm saying, if there's anyone like that, just raise your hand and look me in the eye and I'll know who I'm praying for. Raise your hand and put it down. And I'll know who I'm praying for. Is there anyone across this auditorium? I see you, my brother. Thank you. Anyone else? I see you, my sister. Thank you. Bless you. Is there anyone else? It is time to come back. It is time to come back. I see you, my brother. God bless you. God bless you. Bless you. Would you pray this prayer with me then, if you do? Dear Jesus, and I would ask everyone in the auditorium to just pray this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, I recognize that I need to come back into relationship with you. I realize that you died on the cross for me. And I believe that you died for my sins. I want you to come and live in my heart. I want you to be the savior of my life. I want to come and live in relationship with God the Father. So I accept you as my personal savior. Amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, I would encourage you to meet with one of our Hope team after the meeting is over and if you, we would love to give you some more information and some resources on how you can grow in this decision you have made and in the relationship you have made. But I also want to pray for another group of people. You may be going through a significant challenge in your life right now and you need the intervention of our Father in that challenge. 
you may be discouraged, you may be tired, you may be fatigued, and you feel that you can't go on. But with everything we have heard today, I just want to encourage you to believe and trust that our God is standing on your behalf and be encouraged in Him and in His Word. Father in heaven, I just want to pray for my brothers and sisters this morning. Anyone who is going through a situation that is overwhelming, overwhelming them, Father, I am praying that you will show yourself able to move on their behalf. You will encourage and strengthen them. And you will show them the God of Jacob, the God of Isaac, the God of Abraham. The God of old is the same God today. The God who has been our help and our fortress in time past is the same God who walks with us today. And you will move in their circumstance and bring an answer. Father, begin to encourage them in their hearts. Begin to help them understand that you are able to move and bring a resolution. So, Father in heaven, we give you all glory, honor, and praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.